Uh, we've been talking about uh, flourishing. Who doesn't like that topic, right? In John chapter 15, Jesus is, uh, is given these instructions to his disciples. And really, we're just in 17 verses in, in chapter 15. Uh, some, uh, some theologians even, even think that, that this discourse that Jesus has with his disciples uh, potentially could have even happened in the context of the Last Supper. It's getting close to Jesus' uh, uh, arrest and trial and even his death. And so these words are, are incredibly weighty. And Jesus speaks to his disciples about the nature of discipleship and, wh and what it means to follow him. And to do this, Jesus paints a picture. A picture of, of a beautiful, flowering, fruitful, flourishing garden. You can see some of our, uh, our uh, uh, flourishing happening already around here, even, uh, even in our artwork. Wanted to communicate some of these ideas. Let's read, uh, let's read the first eight verses of John chapter 15 together. Just to, just to refresh your memory, here's what Jesus says. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do, what's the word? Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for, what's that word? Anything you want, and it will be granted. And then our verse for today, verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. We've talked about, uh, we've been walking through this whole series, this, this incredible picture of a garden, a vineyard. We've talked about Jesus is the true vine. He's the source. And, and we're the branches. Our job is to be connected, deeply rooted in him. But there's also this pruning that happens. And God is the pruner. And, and sometimes there's things that creep into our lives that, frankly, just need to be cut out or, or pruned away. A couple of weeks ago, we had a guest speaker come in, and, and he told the parable of the sower and the seeds, and, and that even this parable, this, the, or this, this teaching of Jesus about the vine is all about fruitfulness. It, it's about potential, a huge harvest. And last week, we talked about uh, the Greek word meno. You heard it again and again and again in this section. Remember what meno means. It means remain in me. It means abide in me. Jesus says, remain in me, and I will meno in you. I will remain in you. And that word is, is uh, filled with meaning. If you were here last week, we talked about meno means red rover, red rover. And meno means a house, home, a home base. Meno means an intimate kiss, Mano means not being afraid of the third grade. Do any of you remember this? That was a good teaching. You guys should go listen to that. <clears throat> but this week, verse 8. Let's, uh, let's put, that put that verse up there just by itself. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory 
to my father. Let's just land on this, this one verse just for today. And as we talk about it, let's start at the end and work our way to the beginning. This brings great glory to my father. Glory. To, to shed light or honor or praise or reveal. Glory is a, a, the junior high play when they open the curtains. It's what's behind the curtain. Uh, one of my uh, preacher friends, I think I've shared this story with you before, uh, uh, a guy named Mike Cope, he has the best definition of glory ever. So uh, for him, the definition of glory is something that is hidden that is being revealed. Do you guys remember this? So uh, Mike tells the story of going to a friend's house and uh, uh, a friend's fam- visiting a friend's family, and uh, they had young kids. And while uh, the dads, while Mike and the other dad were sitting in the living room downstairs, just having a you know, uh, just having a conversation, the the friend's mother was upstairs giving baths to the little kids. Except there was one that got away. And Mike tells the story of sitting downstairs with his friend, and all of a sudden they hear the hurried footsteps of little feet coming running down the steps. And before they know it, coming around the corner is a buck-naked little child who comes full speed streaking through the living room. Have any of you ever experienced this? And Mike's friend, the father's child, looks at the naked child running through the living room and says, there he is in all of his, what's the word? Something hidden that's being revealed. That's how it works. That's, uh, believe it or not, that's our purpose. Glory is this, this uh, to, to shed light, to, to reveal something that's been hidden, but it also means to ascribe weight by giving real substance to something. By our life and by our conduct, we may bring glory to God. We may make God heavy in our world. Where God was not visible, where God was not present now, because of our lives, because of our actions, he is being revealed. And what is it that brings great glory to God? You, my true disciples. We've been talking a lot about discipleship. Our, the, the heartbeat of our church is turning more and more to, towards discipleship and what this, what this means. A, a disciple literally is just a, a, a learner. A, a disciple is a student, is, is a pupil. But I want to go a little bit deeper into that and kind of let's talk about this idea of true disciples uh, and talk about this, uh, the idea of discipleship as a whole. Uh, I met with a great guy this week named Dave Buring. He actually has a, a, a nonprofit here in town that is all about discipleship. It's not a church, it's a nonprofit. And the whole goal, the whole function of, of his nonprofit is to help people to become disciples who make disciples. And when I talked to him about discipleship just this past week and said, man, you know, this is kind of our church, he, he kind of talked about this larger discipleship process. And he used three terms, three words that I want to kind of guide our thoughts. He said, when you think about a discipleship process, think about revelation, obedience, and transformation. Revelation is a a little bit of, there's almost a little bit of glory connotation in that, you know, something hidden that's being revealed. But the idea of revelation is that there's this, um, there is a God, and he wants to speak into 
your life. Um, you've heard me be critical of the, the one-year Bible. You guys have heard this? Uh, and, and sometimes it comes across that, I, that I'm a little bit uh, critical of, of Bible study. And I got to qualify this a little bit because um, I want you to read your Bible. I think that's a good thing, even if you have one of those one-year Bibles. But, but we're so American that uh, reading our Bible and studying our Bible has become uh, something we just check off our list, right? And the one-year Bible is, is kind of the champion of this process, right? Uh, it, it's not about listening to what God's word might be saying into our lives. It's just about, well, I go, okay, I got through 2 Kings today. Praise God. I can check that off. And it becomes a race to get to the end of the year. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? And, and far too many, even Christians in North America, we're, we are addicted to Bible study. But we stop listening. I would rather you read one verse a day and ask the question and, and accompany that verse with this question, how is God trying to speak to me through his word in this verse? At the end of the year, which would be more powerful? At the end of the year, which would be more transformational or life-changing? But Because to say, God, how are you speaking to me in this verse acknowledges so many different things. It acknowledges, okay, first there is a God, and, and this God, whoever he is, wherever he is, he wants to actually speak into my life. He has something to say about, about where I am, about where I'm at right now in this moment. This is an exercise we're even doing in, in some of our discipleship groups. It's a powerful moment, right? You get in a circle and you re together read a, a, a passage or a couple of passages together and then just ask that question, hey, how's God speaking to you through his word? You're going to get all kinds of answers and all of a sudden, everyone in that group, they're going to lean in, right? I think your neighbors who don't know Christ or aren't a part of a church would be interested in how God is speaking to you through his word. I think so. But too many of us, like we, we, we have skipped the whole revelation step, partly because we don't have time to listen, right? You know, I, even, I said, you know, one verse a day, ask this question. For some of you, the, frankly, that's just way too much. I would, I would settle for one period, a time, uh, one period of time in, in a week where you, maybe you mark it on your schedule, put it on your iCal, tell your assistant to know, cut off the, the, the phone calls, turn the power off to your house so you're not distracted by emails and everything else. But have you created one period in your life of intentional focus listening to God? Most of us, we, we don't even have, have time for that. We have time to study God's word and check that off our list. But to really listen True disciples create space to hear God's voice, to hear his revelation in their life. And then true disciples are obedient. This is all about a life alignment. You know, a disciple is a learner, is, is, is a student. It, it, it is saying, okay, here's Jesus' life, and here's what Jesus values, and, and here's who he is, and here's how he responded in certain situations. And then here's my life, and here's what I value, and here's, uh, here's how I respond, and here's my attitude, and here's how I think. And I'm, I'm physically bringing my life into alignment with Jesus'. 
What he values, I want to value. How he responds, I want to respond. And this, this, this takes incredible obedience. Again and again, even in this passage, and you'll hear some more over the next couple of weeks, Jesus says, when you obey, when you obey my commands... Right now, I guarantee you if, you, if you really listened, God is trying to speak something into your life. How many of you at this very moment, without having to think hard, could name at least one area of your life that is over here when Jesus' life is right here? How many of you, without having to think too hard, could name one area of your life that is out of alignment with the purpose and the value of Jesus Christ? The obedience question, ask, ask, what are you doing about it? My tendency sometimes when there's a part of my life that's out of alignment is uh, to look for a passage of scripture that supports my alignment over here. Have you ever done that? My tendency sometimes when my life is out of alignment with, uh, with Jesus Christ, my tendency is to sometimes uh, try to negotiate Jesus, well, if you would just come, you know, I'll meet you halfway. How about that? Have you ever tried to do that? God's word isn't, isn't a negotiation in the obedience phase. Man, and, and so many Christians, we, we struggle with this. Uh, I don't think this, this move of, of bringing your life that's over here into alignment with Jesus' life, that move, that, that distance, I want to tell you right now, you're never going to bridge that gap by yourself. We got, we're, our, our nation is filled with Christians. Oh, I don't need a church. I'll just do it by myself. Bull. This gap is bridged in the community, in a church, in a disciple group that's asking questions and holding you accountable. Okay, well, wow, God did reveal that. On, on, God has revealed that to you. How can we help you get there? Who's holding you accountable to that move, to that shift, to that, to that change? What are you doing about it? Who's going to call you out when you say, you know, you really just need to quit negotiating with God and just submit fully to his will? And I know why you don't. I know it's hard to trust, and I know it's difficult, and I know you've got all these things in the way. But this obedience phase of, of discipleship, of, of true discipleship, is incredibly important. The come and follow part. Jesus commands us, come and follow. Jesus commands us, go and make. Jesus commands us to love. Are we being obedient to his call? Finally, revelation, uh, obedience, transformation, all, all speaking about aspects of, of true discipleship. Uh, transformation, I love this one. In 1 Peter 3, it says, always be ready to give a response for the hope you have. Always be ready. Always be ready to give a, give a response for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And, and that question comes with this big assumption, that, and the assumption is that you are living such questionable lives that those around you are asking, that, that there are people around you ask, actually asking questions about your life. 
When was the last time somebody asked you a question about how and why you live the way you do? Yeah, crickets. <laughs> See, too many of us have, have we, we've kind of molded our, our, our identity as Christians into kind of an American identity sometimes. Sometimes our identity as Christians is molded behind a political candidate sometimes. you see how this works? You know, to be a Christian in the United States of America means to get up early and drive to work and to live in the suburbs and have a dog and a cat and two and a half kids. And to be a Christian in America means to have a, you know, I've got a 401k and maybe every now and then I go to church on a Sunday. And I'll tell you, there's nothing curious or questionable about that, is there? There's, there's nothing noteworthy or, or, or interesting. And it reveals a piece of that true discipleship picture that's missing for far too many of us, and that is transformation. Because when you move from here to here, your life is going to look profoundly different. You can't help it. You won't be able to help it. Your life will filled, be, be filled all of a sudden with selfless behavior. You know what's, you know what's newsworthy and noteworthy in, in America? Any act of selflessness. Right? We're all pro at selfish. But when you choose to live selflessly, all of a sudden you're going to gain all kinds of new attention. When you practice hospitality, when, when you speak gently with others, when you, when you choose not to seek revenge. You know, when we canceled our church service to have a, a serve our city, when you make blessing bags and, and hand them out to people in the community. Uh, I, I had the great experience with some of the blessing bags that this church made, which is just, they're just small, thoughtful bags that you give to the, to the poor or outcasts in our world. So uh, uh, we made some of these as a church, and I handed one out this past week to a guy, and actually he was near a parking lot. So I went out and got out and talked to him, and um, uh, it was really awesome and, and kind of great and interesting encounter with him, and he was super grateful. And uh, like then a day and a half later, we were going somewhere else with our family, and our, our, our car pulled up, and, and this, there was this guy out the window. I was like, oh, we already gave out our bags. We don't have any more. You know who it was? It was the exact same guy. And he remembered me, and I remembered him. Wow, and something different happened there, right? Now I'm looking, now I'm paying attention to people in our world and, and, and needs in our world, and now I'm like, oh, man, where before it was just so easy to drive by, now I'm wondering, like, oh, is that Dave? Questionable, curious lives. Last week, uh, uh, part of my teaching last week was about kissing. Do you guys remember this? Man, y'all have the best pastor in the whole world. I told you to go home and practice kissing your wives. Like, that's, that was your homework. That was it. And we talked about a six-second kiss, like a, not just a peck on the, key, uh, not a, just a peck on, the, on the cheek, but like a real thing. And uh, I, I was talking, we were having dinner at one of our neighbor's house, and uh, uh, I don't know, I just thought that was cool. I just thought it was interesting. So... Um, Maybe it sounds arrogant because it was my teaching, but uh, I just thought it was neat. I, I was like, man, I just I love that teaching and the life that it, it, it gave to me. 
And we were at a friend's house, um, and they had all skipped church that day. And uh, I was like, oh, man, y'all should have come to our place. We talked about kissing. And they were like, what? You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, eyebrows are raised. All of a sudden, they begin to lean in. Why? <laughs> My teaching's questionable. <laughs> Suddenly, it was curious, right? What do you mean your church, you talked about kissing? Well, let me tell you, it's about this word meno, and sometimes it means this intimate thing and something you don't share with anyone else. And I just fell right into it. I wasn't trying. Does that make sense? You know what they said? They said, you know, we need to go to your church. And I said, yes! <laughs> you do! We kiss, and it's a good thing. Not each other, our wives. Maybe it would just be for you to, to babysit your neighbor's kids. I guarantee you, one of you know a single mom right now that could benefit from some free child care. Just offer it without, without, any, without any expectation of payment or return. Just do it. They're, they're going to be floored. And people, well, you would bring someone else's kids into your house, into your, that's your rest time, that's your free time, that's your... Like, our world won't even understand. Like, they don't, our world doesn't even have, a, have a, a facility to process that, right? It becomes questionable and curious. Maybe cut your neighbor's grass without being asked. An invitation to church on Sunday morning, it's not questionable or curious, is it? An invitation to you, your home, to sit around your table, unprompted, all of a sudden you've done something different, right? You've created curiosity. You've illustrated that, that something has happened in you that's operating at a whole different kind of level. And of these three, revelation and obedience and transformation, which of these do you think has the, has the potential to be most impactful in our world? What do you think? That's a real question. Which, which one has the, the potential to, to change things in our world more than any other? Transformation. Which one's the one that's missing most in our churches? What about you? If I said, you know, hey, this is kind of where we're at and this is where we're going as a church, where are you stuck? Is, is there one of these that, oh, you're just kind of, your wheels are just kind of stuck in the mud at? Maybe it's the, I don't know how to listen. Or I don't know how to, when I actually hear something, I don't, I don't know how I feel about actually doing it. And, and I don't know what that looks like in my world. Like too many of us are, are stuck in these different places. And, that, and that's one of the reasons we're leaning into, I, I know you keep hearing me say disciple group, disciple group, disciple group, but man, we want to help you get unstuck. I, I, I'm not offended if, if you're stuck in one of these places or if even these are far outside of what you could ever imagine. But wherever you're at, Aspen Grove exists to grow followers of Jesus Christ. We want to help you take that next step, Right? A disciple group is a way to do that, to, he to help you kind of process where you're at and what's going on and, oh, man, what obstacles are in between you and living a life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Our disciple groups are designed to help and encourage to grow, to, to help you fulfill your God-given mission in the world. 
connect, to connect you again to the true vine, to, to live literally a life transformed, a life that brings great glory to God by producing much fruit. Sorry, I know I'm going on forever and ever. Let's keep going. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. That brings great glory to God. Let's talk about much fruit. Um, how many of you like uh, fresh fruits and vegetables? Nobody? Okay. <laughs> uh, so I went to the farmer's market in, in Franklin. You guys have been there? Can we get a woo for the farmer's market? All right. I <laughs> uh, went to the farmer's market yesterday, man, and they had, uh, they had all kinds of, of really awesome stuff. Uh, who would like something from the farmer's market that I went to yesterday? Would you, would you like something? Um, all right, I'm going to... You're going to be blown away when you see all the awesome stuff. I saw Peggy raise her hand. Uh, Peggy, here's what I brought you from the farmer's market. Isn't that awesome? Go ahead and take that. Go ahead and hold on to it. <laughs> what did you get? There's nothing in the basket. Well, I mean, your expectations seem kind of high. I mean, farmers are people too, right? Like, you, you don't seem very, very happy or, or, or satisfied. Um, is it fair to say you're disappointed in what you received from the farmer's market? <laughs> At least you got that. Way to be positive. Um, would it, be, would it be fair to say, if I, if I said, hey, I'm going to the farmer's market, I'll bring you something, you, you would have this expectation of something more than an empty basket, right? And, it, and wouldn't it be, be wild if the farmers just kind of pushed back and said, you know, we're people too. We've got a lot going on. You know, we can't always be expected to produce a harvest. You know, isn't, isn't your expectation of a full basket, isn't, isn't that a little harsh? Isn't that a little unfair? Does that sound ridiculous? Yeah, I, I know, it, it is ridiculous. You know, a farmer complaining about having to produce a crop is, is a ridiculous idea. Like, a, a, it would be like an orange tree complaining about having to produce oranges. So if you could imagine an orange tree going, what? You expect me to produce oranges? You, you just got a crop last year. Can I just have a year off? Look, I'll produce you some leaves. How about that? Would you be satisfied with leaves? No, like, like, like it doesn't make sense. But here's what I hear as your pastor sometimes. What? You want me to share my faith with my teenagers? Yeah, I mean, you expect me to share my faith with with my friends or neighbors? Come on. I went to church already. I even volunteered in the children's ministry. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm done, right? What do you mean? You got to be kidding me. This is so unfair. We must be fruitful. From a vine, we look for grapes. And from a Christian, we look for Christianity. 
And this is the fruit, a Christian temper and disposition, a Christian life and conversation, Christian devotions and Christian designs. We must honor God and, 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 and do good and exemplify the purity and power of the faith we profess. And this is bearing fruit. Fruit is anything that we accomplish or achieve or make that happens in true partnership with Jesus Christ. And Jesus isn't compelling his disciples to go and produce fruit just for production's sake. Well, why don't you guys just go out and just just produce something just for the sake of producing. No, no, no. The production of fruit isn't some added burden, but it identifies them as true disciples. Do you see how that works? Oranges identify a tree as an orange tree. And the fruit of Christians identifies them as true disciples of Jesus Christ. You produce what you are. And when you are connected to the true vine, fruit isn't, isn't some sort of requirement. Already some of you are feeling uncomfortable. Oh, he's, he's expecting us to do so. Fruit isn't, isn't some sort of, of rigid mandate. When you're connected to the true vine, fruit is an inevitability, right? It can't help but happen. It's who you are. Peggy, I got some for you. <laughs> This, you can have both baskets. I know how much you like them. That's what it means to produce fruit. Jesus doesn't even talk about a little fruit. He says, when you produce, what's the word? Much fruit. That word much fruit, it means uh, a high in number, great in amount, many, numerous. It's a statement about potential. Are you with me? says, when you are connected to the true vine, man, man, the, you remember what he said even a few verses before, anything you ask for, anything is possible. Those who remain in me may ask for anything they want, and it'll be granted. Have we forgotten that that is our potential as followers of Jesus Christ? Much fruit. In just a few moments, we're going to enter into a time of uh, communion, and uh, we've got some communion stations set up around the room. In fact, worship team, if you guys want to go ahead and come on up. We're going to enter into this time of communion, and uh, I'll say a prayer, and um, uh, what you'll find on the table is the elements of communion, the the cup, which represents the blood of Jesus poured out for us. The, the bread, which represents his body broken for us. And in a, in a few moments, I want to share a couple, couple thoughts. We're going to enter into this time of communion. invite you to come around this table. Before we get there, I, I want to talk about the, the last part of the, or the first part of this verse. It begins when he says, when you produce much fruit. When. 
when is a question that uh, makes us, uh, when, is, when is a word that, that makes us feel uncomfortable? When feels like, okay, all of a sudden now I'm, I'm <laughs> when is like I'm on the clock now, right? It, it's different from, uh, you know, uh, if I tell my wife, hey, I'll take out the trash, and she says, when, now I actually have to do it. You know, it's like, uh, it's not just something I, I'm saying, like, no, there's this expectation, I'm going to get this done. When you produce... And maybe some of you are sitting there right now thinking, man, my, my basket's pretty empty. It's been a long time since my, my faith has actually produced. I've been, I've been pretty stuck in some of these steps. It's been a long time since I've, I've thought about producing. And, and I, I don't want you to feel like I'm, I, I'm beating you up. Um, when Jesus says, when you produce, it, it, it isn't some sort of like, shame or guilt trip kind of thing. Jesus says, when you produce, I, I, I believe he says, when you produce, it, it's not in accusation, but eager, hopeful expectation. Are you with me? Let's be honest. Even the disciples Jesus handpicked <laughs> weren't so sure about their potential. Were they? You know, when Jesus pointed him out, they said, oh, man, I am the perfect guy for this job. <laughs> no, they all, every disciple, of, every true disciple of Jesus has had this who me moment. You, you, you want me? You know, they often doubted and, and wondered if they had what it took. But Jesus believed in their potential. He chose them. And I don't want you to miss this. He's chosen you, too. And you don't have enough excuses to disqualify yourself from the fruitful, flourishing life Jesus knows is possible when you remain in him, when you remain connected to the true vine. The question of when won't be a question you have to worry about. You will begin to produce fruit much fruit. So I don't know where you're at today. Um, maybe, you got a, maybe you got a full basket. Praise God. You're going to see even more than that, I believe. But maybe you're struggling with, with true discipleship, and, and maybe you're sitting here and say, man, I would rather just come to church. Why does he want me to do stuff? Um, I feel you. <laughs> I've been there. I have. Maybe you're stuck in one of the, the, the phases of true discipleship, revelation, or obedience. Maybe you're still just trying to negotiate, get a better deal. Maybe you've, you've come to that place and you're really curious about this transformed life. And you want to start living question, questionably. Wherever you're at today, as we enter to the, into this time of communion, in just a moment I'll say a prayer, but I, I invite you to take one step. Maybe you're ready to, to, to participate in one of our disciple groups. Praise God. That's awesome. That's what this is about, is helping you take that next step. Maybe it is it's simply just uh, tapping a friend or a mentor on the shoulder and say, hey, would you pray with me? I've, I've, got, some, <laughs> I've got some blockage here. And I, I've, I've been kind of stuck in this place for a long time. I need some movement. Maybe you don't even have a faith and, and don't believe there's anyone that's going to speak to you. Man, if that's you, we want to talk to you too. We, we'd love to help you explore what you're feeling and thinking and, and why. We, we'd love the chance to pray for you.
encourage you. Maybe, maybe you're ready even today. Maybe you're ready in obedience to submit your life to Christ and, and give yourself to him in baptism. Man, we, that's, that's what that thing over there is. It's not a bathtub. We would love to see you make that choice. As I pray in just a moment, I, I, whatever it is, I, I pray that you just kind of examine where you're at and take that next step. Let's pray together. Father God, right now in this moment, we come before you seeking your, your great power and wisdom and authority in our lives. Father God, if right now, if, if, if anyone in this room is feeling like some, some, some guilt or some shame about, about something that's said, Father God, I pray that you would just banish that from their hearts because that's, that's not who you are. That's, that, 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 that isn't representative of what you want for us, Father God. We know that you love us. And if you come with a desire for us, it is, it is based on a deep, unfailing, affectionate love it illustrated no more clearly than in the absolute uh, horrible death and sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. That's your level of devotion to us. So Father God, help us in this moment to identify any places in our life where we're stuck God, maybe even there's, there's a whole new realm of, of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Maybe you've come to church your whole life and, and never trusted this discipleship process. Maybe we've never lived questionably. Maybe you're struggling with obedience. Father God, whatever it is, Father God, pull it, pull it out of us. Help us, to, don't let us ignore, but help us to confront it with you today. Let us surrender ourselves. Let us, uh, Father God, help us to take just that, that next step to growing, to, to being a true disciple, to growing as a follower of you. Father God, you're so good and so worthy. You're so patient and, and so forgiving of us. Father God, let us respond in love to you and to our friends and neighbors. Let us be compelled by your spirit this morning to be the men and women that you've called us to be. Father God, I pray for this church. I pray from, from these small seeds that you would produce much fruit. And that we would turn and look at each other with eager expectation. Father God, we love you. <laughs> I'm so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. I, I pray that, that his life and purpose would come alive in each and every one of us. We love you, Father, and in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says.